Welcome to the discussion, Cybersecurity Compliance and Risk Management, sponsored by HID Global. Here's today's moderator, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Ed Toner, Chief Information Officer for the State of Nebraska. Welcome to Ask the CIO SLED Edition, our state and local program, Ed. Thanks, John. Our theme for this series of interviews focuses on cybersecurity, compliance, risk and identity management, and access management. Let's focus on uh, compliance issues. It's been said that there's nothing certain in the world but uh, death and taxes. I think that government regulatory compliance issues may come in a close third. There's currently uh, emerging federal and state government mandates that significantly affect not only cybersecurity but many other compliance issues as well. What are some of these significant issues facing Nebraska? Well, we have all the federal mandates and local mandates, um, as any state has. You know, you, we've got PCI in our in our uh, environment. We've got CGIS. We've got all of the privacy laws to deal with. We've got the HHS HIPAA laws. We've got 1075s uh, for IRS. Uh, but we approach it just like we approached everything now at the state, and that's from a central location. Um, As you know, John, we consolidated the state a couple of years ago, and with that consolidation, we saw an opportunity that hadn't really, I don't believe, is uh, copied or used anywhere else. It's uh, fairly unique. When we consolidated, we looked at all of the compliance and security folks across the state, and we brought them into our organization. And what we did was we formed what's called a risk, risk mitigation and compliance team. And we brought in the HIPAA experts out of HHS, the IRS 1075s of uh, revenue. We brought in CGIS out of State Patrol, you name it, you know, PCI, all the different folks who had those uh, that expertise and they were subject matter experts. And we put them all together. And then we added the security team to that group. And the value of that is that from an audit compliance side, from the IT side, we now look at every agency that is getting audited. They have the full force of that group behind them. So uh, it doesn't matter whether it's revenue or, or banking or whoever. We've got all these experts in all these different areas and the good news is that over the last couple of years, since they've been working with each other, of course, the HIPAA compliance guy is now, guy or gal, is very, very knowledgeable in PCI or very, very knowledgeable in IRS 1075 or CGIS because they work every day together on that. And so we have a structure, we have a tool that actually monitors and does a workflow for all of our compliance uh, responses as far as any type of audit. They all get loaded into our tool. We go through, we document everything that we're doing or what we did. We learn then, that team learns from every audit as a group. And so instead of having that isolation of revenue, having an audit and having audit findings, and they're isolated to revenue, no, this team knows every single agency's um, audit findings, and often we've solved that problem uh, before it ever became another issue because, as you know, once one team or one agency maybe fails an audit, we know exactly why, and we 
um, make sure that that doesn't occur in any of the other agencies. So we take a very centralized approach, but then the fix, so it, it may be a one-off, one agency got uh, an audit finding, but we make the fix to all agencies as far as any type of IT fixes that need to be uh, done. And of course, policy, we, we left policy people in the agencies so that they could um, uh, direct more of the business side, but we took all the IT, more of the specialists in the IT uh, onto this team. That team also ensures that the software and the hardware across the state is at the appropriate version levels, and they institute the, the procedures and policies for IT risk mitigation for the whole state. So again, it's a, um, a unique uh, take. I don't know of anyone that's actually taken all of that and put it in one group. I can also say that it was probably one of the best accepted changes that uh, the state of Nebraska had. We get notes from the different agencies that say, you know, we've never gone through an audit as cleanly as this one and appreciate the fact that we have multiple people assisting in every single audit from your team. And so it, it, it has proven to be very effective, uh, but it's also proven to be uh, something that the agencies have become to value uh, as a service that we provide to them. Ed, we were talking about the whole idea of identity and access management, and now we've got a whole new lever- level of complexity here with mobility. What's your answer to this when you're dealing now, not just with your state employees or local government employees, now you're talking about citizens, critically important, different uh, issues? As far as citizens, you know, our our goal is to ensure that, you know, we have as safe an environment as we possibly can, as, as, as secure of an environment as we possibly can. So one of the things that, again, consolidation has helped us with is the protection of the production environment. Agencies still need to do their work. Counties still need to do their work. They need to, to make adjustments to their programs. They need to install programs. And so we limit uh, that last hop. All of the agencies have uh, full access to their test development uh, environments. Uh, what they don't have access to, though, is their production environments. And so at that point, we're able to do a little bit of defensive work there by when they load the code for that last push into production, we can do things, uh, the best practices. We can scan the code, uh, ensure that there's nothing there that uh, is leaving a back door or whatever, because most of these are are web-facing for our clients. If they're good to go, we can push them into production. If not, then we do the mitigation. And often what we find is that some of the expertise levels are different in each agency, but if we have that checkpoint right before it goes into production, then what we do is we don't we, we obviously stop the push and then we talk to the agency and nine times out of ten they have us fix the code for them uh, and mitigate anything that was found in the scanning. Um, and so that's really our last point of protection for our citizens is to make sure that nothing goes into our production servers. And that's where we're talking about privileged access. We, with privileged access being maintained in one location, there are clear advantages to that from a security standpoint. Probably the, the biggest defense is to have that restricted access to the production environment. But at the same time, allowing the counties and other agencies to do their work, and, and we do that through the, the system where they call our service desk and we give them 
temporary access, or we actually do the install ourselves if it's something on a computer or something that, that needs admin rights, and it expires so that uh, we don't have it lingering out there. Mm-hmm. And so when we do, as we were talking about before, when we do the offboarding, we can keep the agencies that are not uh, centralized like uh, Secretary of State. I mean, Secretary of State is centralized, but they have the ability, they, they set up their own accounts uh, for their employees. We do all of their, their IT work or the counties or any other uh, like uh, Public Service Commission. When they leave, they don't, even if they didn't take away all of their access, there's no production access to take away because we don't allow that. It's when you come along onto our platform. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the service of the citizen. I know uh, when, geez, when I brought the Internet into uh, Massachusetts and we put in some of the first uh, service, uh, online services, I think I was with the Department of Motor Vehicles. Uh, I remember my old colleague, David Lewis, uh, was there, the CIO at the time, and uh, we put together a, a plan and put together a a model which they use to allow citizens to go online and and uh, do their business. Mm-hmm. And of course, over time, multiple other departments did the same thing. And what happened was you had unique login credentials for different agencies, so it really made it user unfriendly. There's nothing worse than have they go into a government website and every time you're doing with a different online services, you have to use a different login. So that's a good idea for an enterprise approach to this issue. What are the current best practices that your state is planning or adopting in regards to uh, citizen access like that? Well, currently we have a citizen forest so that they have their own set of credentials. And once they get in to the citizen forest, they have access to um, most of our applications. We haven't moved everybody over um, so that they don't have multiple passwords and usernames. Um, what we would like to go to, and we're working now with uh, Microsoft, would be to allow them to authenticate through their Facebook account, through LinkedIn, through whatever, um, so that um, it's just like logging on to Google or Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're trying to move into that, which we feel will be a secure way to, to log on and a much more effective for the, the user uh, or the customer of Nebraska. So we're right now investigating that. Uh, I'm hoping that we move in that direction later this year is, is our goal. Um, so we would like to, to keep the number of ways that you get services from the state of Nebraska to be as various as, as, as possible, but the actual central logon would be the same. Mm-hmm. And I would assume that this whole uh, mobility issue, again, is uh, having a greater and greater impact uh, when considering uh, identity and access management challenges. Uh, is that the case for your state? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you always have to be diligent on that balance between security and not impeding the work either of the internal agencies or the customers trying to get services from us. That's, that's always a, uh, a balancing act um, and one that, that we are very diligent on. And, and there are many things that we do in that, in that area, but these are some of the things that we, we really are doing behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let me ask you this. Uh, 
you know, we're, we're talking recently just some of these uh, threats. And we've seen recently in the last couple of years the, the rise of uh, ransomware and, of course, this whole election thing. Mm-hmm. You see anything new on the horizon? We haven't oh, – not to mention this uh, coronavirus. Do you have anything else that you see, see on the horizon that you consider a threat? I, I think that you have to consider everything a threat and continue – you know, there, there's always going to be something new that comes up. And really, it's the speed of your response and your preventive measures together. So um, I think a state should always be prepared to respond, even if you feel like you have measures in place. And that should be something that you train on and that you uh, practice constantly. I don't think you can ever predict where the threat's going to come from. Mm-hmm. Our guest is Ed Toner, Chief Information Officer for the State of Nebraska. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Finding the right multi-factor authentication and building a zero-trust strategy that's compliant with current mandates can feel like a huge challenge. Security doesn't have to be overly complex. State, county, or municipalities can be protected using the same ironclad security as the federal government. HID Global has a comprehensive identity management platform providing cybersecurity compliance, MFA for privileged users, e-authentication, and simplified PKI. Learn more at hidglobal.com slash sled. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Ed Toner, Chief Information Officer with the State of Nebraska. Let's talk about – there's what I wanted to talk about, again, kind of alluded to it somewhat earlier uh, with your, uh, your conversations with your NACIO, State CIO uh, colleagues across the country. What a great group, and it, and it shows during a crisis uh, like the coronavirus how you can uh, you know, learn from each other's best practices and, and uh, lessons learned, et cetera. The closest that I can recall to something like this was Y2K. And even with Y2K, just the way it turned out, it was, uh, you know, it it really didn't uh, result in any kind of calamity. So I'm not sure that the powers that be in government really thought it was worth all the uh, fire drills we went through to get compliance. But but actually, I've been thinking a lot about this, and that is the role of the CIO in government that we've always talked about and how – critical that it, that role is in terms of your, your relationship with your CEO, in your case with Governor Ricketts. And uh, also you're, you're having a strong CIO governance and operational authority. And as we've discussed, regardless of the place in the organization chart, any conversation I think at the highest levels of government regarding continuity of operations with the epidemic, uh, such as occurred across the country, has to have the CIO sitting at the table and I think that CIOs that have their act together and are really are really going to shine. I think this uh, pandemic episode will be their finest hour. What do you What is your take on this from your conversations with your colleagues around the country, Ed? Yeah, I I think everyone is learning from this. I think they're all going to do well. There's certainly there's probably 25 emails a day that we're exchanging information and we're listing all of our what we're doing in each state. I think one of the things that is going to be a challenge is, uh, even for our state, although I think we, we will be fine, I think when we think about COOP, continuation of operations, mm-hmm. we think about DR, right? We think about 
what are we going to do if our data center gets wiped out? And well, we got that covered. We have another data center that we replicate in real time. And I think that a pandemic where no one will be in the building is this will we will learn a lot from this. You know, you you always think about a DR being a building's wiped out by a tornado or something like right. that, or even our own town. And so we spent a lot of time purchasing office space and making it available for relocation. And I think something unique about a pandemic is there's no relocation to be done. That lever that we used to have is gone. And so the work at home uh, is the option, the only option for many of the the agencies. So I think we're going to learn some new things uh, out of this. I think that we'll be better off for the future. But right now, I would say that's going to be a unique situation where if we get to the point where no one's in the building at all, how do we ensure? I can say from our standpoint, from the IT standpoint, we're we're ready. We have no issues with that. We can support our customers. They can still call our service desk, all those things. Uh, we'll still have operations monitoring. But I think a lot of agencies across the nation always thought about DR or COOP as we have to move to a new location to do our work. Um, I think this is going to be a, a, a learning experience for them. Yeah, and also the, the point I was making is that you still have that CIO governance model, which varies from state to state with probably three or four different models, if you will. The strong CIO like yourself that has a strong relationship with your boss, the governor. You have a dozen or more now CIOs that are members of the governor's cabinet. And as Doug Robinson at the NASIO, the executive director, tells us that all uh, 50 states now have a CIO appointed by the governor. But there's folks that are appointed by the governor and then folks that have a relationship with the governor. There's a big difference. And unless that CIO has had a seat at the table in some of these, uh, you know, the executive Mm -hmm. councils, uh, it's going to be very difficult, I think, for the governor all of a sudden to call this person into their office and not, not intimidate them but start to build the kind of right. trust that's necessary to get things done. And I think, uh, as I said before, I think those CIOs like yourself and other ones that, that have their act together, uh, this will be uh, their finest hour. And I'm thinking that mm-hmm. the ones that aren't, it's really going to make a difference. You know, the governors are going to say, geez, do I have the right person in place? Or they, I'm going to need to see them more than, uh, you know, uh, at uh, anniversaries or something like that. I need that person on my team. I think that's important. I know you do. I absolutely do. And I think – the one strength that Nebraska has, and it, it has to do with that relationship between the governor and myself, we went through Y2K together. I was on his staff at TD Ameritrade at the time when we went through that. And so he knows the level of planning that I do, and he knows the level of, of uh, caution that we took there. And, of course, we came, came through that unscathed. Um, and ready for business, as as did most. Uh, but I think if you haven't, it, it's kind of like we've gone through something similar, nowhere near this level of, of um, issues, but we've gone through similar issues before uh, in the private sector. And so we've, we've got the scars from it, and we know how we react to it. And so I think there's that level of, of uh, just trust that uh, we're both on the same page and that uh, that doesn't really happen in a four-year term, you know, and, and even less 
which is what's common. I think Doug from uh, NASA was saying now it's the average tenure is 18 months or something like mm. that. Um, you just can't get that continuity, and, and I don't even think you can get that continuity in a four-year term. Um, I've been fortunate that the governor's been reelected, and I'm still with him now, but I think our trust started during the, the 10 to 12 years that we were together in private industry. Uh, we've only got a minute or two left, Ed. Let me ask you a couple other questions here. Uh, you know, what is your, in these calls, what advice are you giving your colleagues around the country? It's it's probably the same the same thing as everyone else. Um, you know, communicate to your teams what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Communicate to your customers uh, to make sure that they understand what your plans are and that you're ready to go. Um, so that that really they can they can focus on their particular uh, services that they provide. Uh, they they certainly need to know that the state of Nebraska is going to be open for business um, and that we in the IT side, they will see no disruption in, in any of our services. And they, they have to, they've got other things to worry about than that. And so I've been really communicating that we'll, we'll be ready for business. Uh, the applications will be running. We will be able to support them. Focus on your particular applications and services that you provide to the citizens uh and don't worry about our end we'll, we'll make sure you're you're up and, and ready to go you know Ed, i noticed that just yesterday the uh, center for disease control came out recommending uh something like eight weeks to postpone any kind of large meetings what are your colleagues and doug robinson what's everybody saying about nasio coming up in uh in may does it still look like it's going to be held that's a huge question mark my uh, my money would be on that we won't do it. Obviously, there's financial impact, but I think that this has really started to become a, a larger crisis. Um, and I don't see as um, unless they actually see that curve, right, of less people being infected. Um, and it looks like we're on the downside of that, that curve. Um, then I, I don't see it happening. But that's, again, my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that, that Doug is going to, to make the right call on that one. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping, um, that this virus runs its course very quickly and that we have no interruption. That's, that's my, uh, as far as, uh, the, the, the upcoming, um, yeah. conference, but I think he's, he's doing what, what we're doing here at the state and we're, we're, he's probably taking it hour by hour, just like we are. Well, yeah, it is. Uh, as I was saying just uh, over the weekend, it's um, it's sad enough to have to cancel St. Patrick's Day parades. I hate I hate to see Nasio be canceled as well, but yeah, you got to take precautions. Ah. So it could uh, it could certainly uh, go in that direction. Ed, th- I want to thank you for being on the show. We're going to have to close with that. Uh, Ed Toner is our guest, our chief information officer for the state of Nebraska. Ed, thanks for taking the time to be with us. I really appreciate it. You bet. I always, always enjoy talking with you, John. And thank all of you for listening. Content from the state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors, is part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn.
Thank you for listening to the discussion, Cybersecurity Compliance and Risk Management, sponsored by HID Global on Federal News Network.